purchased my redemption and forgave me all my sin. He, the pearly gates, will open so that I may enter in. For he purchased my redemption and forgave me John says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. The fact that God would love us, the fact that God would love me, the fact that God would love Brett, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm thankful for his love for us. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here and um, for Brother Marshall allowing me and uh, asking me to preach tonight. I I really am excited about uh, being here and being uh, well, among friends, among family, and I, I, yeah, I, I love Riverside Baptist Church, love the people here. Um, I do have a hard time with my pale Hispanic brother-in-law trying to speak Scandinavian. That didn't work very well, um, but he tried. Uh, um, if you can start turning your Bibles to Psalm uh, 106, um, while you're turning there, I want to share, Pastor asked me to share some blessings uh, of some things that God has been doing uh, lately, and um, um, has anyone mentioned to you lately that God is good? That God is good. He is better to us than we than we deserve by far. Uh, let me share just a few things in the past few weeks uh, that God has done, and this is just a little glimpse of what He's done in the past few weeks. Um, a week ago, Tuesday, I had a meeting. Um, well, last Tuesday, I had a meeting with a young couple, uh, Neil, um, Neil and Rachel, and. Um, They've been attending the church for some time and uh, had a long conversation with them, and they're planning on joining the church come Sunday, and I'm excited about that. That was Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. I sat down with a, a young mother, and she has been, uh, well, a, a lady that they've been visiting our church, they've been in our church and members of our church for some time, and uh, God laid on her heart and her need for salvation, and she was saved about three weeks ago, and got it settled. She'd been struggling with it and got it taken care of, and that was a hallelujah time. And uh, she's been in the church, um, well, her name is on the church charter, her and her husband, and she got it settled. I'm so glad she was said, I need to get this taken care of. And praise the Lord, but then Tuesday afternoon, I had the opportunity to sit down with her and her daughter, and her daughter wanted to talk about salvation and wanted to talk about her being saved and had been wondering about it since Sunday night and said, we need to talk to preacher. We need to talk to preacher. We need to talk to preacher. And mom said, we didn't want to bother you till Tuesday. I'm like, bother me. It's okay. Uh, but we got to sit down and, uh, oh, little Cassidy, she got saved. Praise the Lord. Uh, that was, that was a wonderful Tuesday. And then, um, oh, previously, uh, the week before I got in my truck and, um, I'll be honest with you. Um, God is doing an amazing work, but there are difficulties. And I got in my truck, and as I got in my truck, I had my cell phone in my hand, and I sat down, and I set my, my phone on the center console, and I started to move, and it fell off the center console into the floorboard, and I thought, someone may call me on my way home. I should probably get that. I did the responsible thing. I pulled back into the space. Instead of just stopping at a light and reaching over, trying to grab it like I normally would have, I put it in a space. And walked around and I grabbed my phone and as I shut the door, I looked in the back of the truck and I could see the metal sticking out on the back of my tire. 
I had tread about inch and a half to two inches all the way around, but you could see the metal on the back of my tire. And uh, I thought, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, don't really have the money for tires. Uh, we live about, about 5.8 miles away from the church. And I said, you know, I have a bike. We're going to ride a bike back and forth to church for a while. And uh, my health, I could use riding a bike back and forth to church for a while. And uh, so I went home, parked the truck, and I said, okay, God, this is in your hands. You're going to have to take care of this with the truck. And um, Brother Walt, he, uh, oh, I love doing the woodworking. Brother Walt taught me a few things with the woodworking. I thought, I have wood here. We can make something, sell what I make, buy to put tires on the truck. It'll be good. It'll all be fine. I'll just need to ride my bike for a few weeks while we get this all handled and taken care of. And God, it's in your hands, and this will be all right. And um, so I started riding my bike back and forth, and then I rode with, uh, out to church on Wednesday night, I rode with my family. Um, that's an adventure whenever, in the last 20 years of ministry, my wife takes the kids to church and meets me there. Riding with her, that was an adventure, um, just going out there. Um, but I rode with my family, and one of the men from the church walked up and said, Preacher, where's your truck at? I said, well, it's at the house. Well, why didn't you drive your truck? You always drive your truck. Well, you know, with gas prices, spend some time with my family. I figured, yeah, this would be, and I kind of just played it off as not that big of a deal. And he looked at me and said, preacher, what's going on with your truck? <laughs> and I said, well, I said, um, oh, I said, there's a little issue with one of the tires. I said, it's got some metal showing. So we're going we're gonna to set aside and we're going to have the money to fix and put the tires on there. Oh, okay. The next day I got a call from um, one of our church members as a manager of a car dealership. And he called me and said, your truck is scheduled on this date to bring in. Um, the people of the church have decided to put truck, put tires all the way around your truck to do an alignment to fix what's going on. And um, they want to make sure everything is up and running. And as much as I say, praise the Lord for tires on the truck. Praise the Lord that we have Christians that are young Christians that are growing and they see the need to try to help and be a blessing to their pastor. That's, that's hallelujah shouting stuff there. And uh, I'm thankful for what, for what God has been doing. There have been challenges, but my God is faithful, and He is good. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, tonight, uh, I want to talk about how good our God is. And if we walk away with anything tonight, is I want people to recognize that what we are proud of, what we testify of, what we want to tell people about, is our God, that our God is our glory, that he is what we are going to be excited about. He is what we're going to tell people about, that he will be our glory. So if you found your spot there in Psalm 106 and you're uh, willing and able to stand, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read one verse uh, to start with and then uh, we'll pray and we'll be seated. And then I want to read the entire chapter because reading the entire chapter is um, easier than me explaining and summarizing the entire chapter. So 106, verse number 20 is where we're going to be. I will read 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 to finish the sentence. Okay, 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an oxen that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Dear God, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your word that guides, that leads. 
Lord, I'm thankful for your word that is the truth. Lord, in these dark, dark times, in this dark world that we live in, and there's so much lies and falseness all around us, Lord, you've given us the truth. Lord, it's because of your word that we can know about the way, the truth, and the life. It's because of your word that we can know about eternal life. Lord, it's because of your word we can know about a God that loves and cares about us. Lord, that doesn't set aside his holiness and his justice to redeem us. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here. Please speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'll challenge our hearts tonight. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. So if you're still there in Psalm 106, I'd like to read the entire chapter. And I I didn't want to do it while we're standing because it's a lengthy chapter. And um, I figured it'd be easier. You can concentrate a little bit better. And I can stop a few more times if we read through it while we're sitting down. It begins in verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth his praises? Blessed are they that keep his judgment, and he that doeth righteous at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not the wonders, thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the Red Sea, even at, at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, He saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. Don't we have a merciful God? They deserved punishment, but he saved them for his namesake. Verse number nine. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. He also led them through the depths as through the wilderness, and he saved them from the hand of them that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Remember, he destroyed the mighty armies of Israel to save their life. Continue verse 11. And the waters covered their enemies that was not, um, there was not one of them left. Then believed they his word, they sang his praises. And what a fitting response. They believed his words, they sang his praises. Verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request and sent leanness unto their souls. Oh, I don't have time to elaborate on this, but this is a beautiful statement there. Sent leanness to their souls. They forgot God, and that place of blessing and that place of promise that they would have had, it became leanness. The blessing was no longer there. Their joy was departed. We'll continue on, verse number 15. And he gave them their request, um, verse 16, sorry. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the same to the Lord. And the earth opened up and swallowed, Dathan and covered the company of Abram. Remember that whole rebellion that was started by Korah? And uh, as he started that rebellion, God opened up and and ended that. Verse number 18, and a fire was kindled up in their company and a flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshiped the molten image. Thus they changed the image, they changed their glory into the similitude of an oxen that eateth grass. They forgot God their savior which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach, to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land, they believed not his words, but murmured in their tents, and hearkened not 
unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations, and to scatter them in the land. They joined themselves also to Bel Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plagues break in upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forever. They angered him also at the water of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sake. Because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake uh, inadvisedly with his lips, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare to them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled with their own works and went whoring with their own inventions. Therefore is the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lord, kindled, against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. Wow. Um, They had done so wrong and so wicked that God abhorred. That's a strong word. His own inheritance. Verse 40, And he gave them to the hand of the heathen, and uh, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their Hand. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Verse 44 is amazing. Nevertheless, he regarded their afflictions when he heard their cry. Did they deserve God's mercy? I know we read it kind of fast, but did they deserve the mercy of God? Yet nevertheless, what an amazing God. He regarded their afflictions and heard their cry, and he remembered them for his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen. Give unto us and give thanks to thy holy name and triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say amen. Praise ye the Lord. We have a merciful God. Praise God for it. Tonight I want to look specifically at verse number 20, and I want to read the whole context because it's going to save us a lot of time in, in a few minutes. But uh, reading verse 20 one more time, it says, Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an oxen that eateth grass. That word glory, uh, that word glory has uh, a few definitions. The second definition of glory is it's something that is the source of honor, praise, or adoration. It's something to glory in. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I went to a home of a family. Uh, their name is the, uh, Matt and Joyce. And Matt and Joyce have um, two little girls. They have one little girl named Elle. And uh, Elle was, uh, was well, still an infant at the time. <clears throat> and um, their other daughter, daughter is Aria. And whenever we went to go talk to them, they were talking to them about joining the church. And as I'm sitting down having a conversation with uh, Matt and Joyce and uh, hearing their testimonies, Aria was excited that there was someone in her house. I don't know if you've been to a house with a little child before that's just excited that you're there. 
And she did, and she went over, and she went to her toy box, and she grabbed her curious George. And she brought George over to me and handed me George. And I'm like, wow, there's George. She says, yeah, George, and points to him. And I'm, okay, wonderful. And I set George down and continued the conversation with mom and dad. And, oh, no, sorry, Aria walks over, and she comes back with a big yellow hat. And she's wearing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's George's hat. I'm like, oh, there we go. And I put it on her head. And she insisted that I put it on my head. So I stuck it on my head. I'm like, wow, this is great. We'll put it on George and we'll set it right here. We continued the conversation. Before I left, she had most of her toy box completely, totally emptied. She was excited to show me how amazing her toys were. And for her as a little girl, it's exciting stuff to be able to show off your toys. And as we get older, people really don't change all that much. No, you don't. Yeah. You spend time talking and having a conversation with different people, and they start to tell you about what's going on and how things are going. And then before too long, yeah, did you hear about the new truck? Did you hear about the new car? Did you hear about the new, well, up where we're at, where there's lakes everywhere. Did you hear about the new boat that's going on there? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it floats and everything. Yeah, it's... And, I'm like, wow, that, that's great, yeah. And people want to glory about things that they want to brag about. And so as I was thinking about this idea of people's glory being what they're proud of and what they want to make known, um, I was going through the Bible. That's a good place to look when we're, we're studying the Word of God to understand the context of things. In Proverbs 17, it says that fathers glory in their children. They glory in their children. They're excited about their children, about what their children are doing or how their children... I do think it's interesting that fathers glory whenever the moms do most of the work, but we're not going to get into that right now. But uh, they, they glory in their children. They're like, wow, man, my children are pretty awesome. I'm doing a good job. But no, sweetie, she's done a great job. But we're going to move on. Um, grandparents glory in their grandchildren. Now, I know that we have the phones now, and people have phones, but if you want to go, I remember back, um, my mom used to have a little book in her, in her, um, in her purse and it was one of those where you open it up and to show grandkids, it's like, here they are. Yeah. I'm just going to ask, does anyone else have multiple pictures of your grandkids with you in your purse? No one? Okay. Nobody wants to raise their hands. Okay. I was just curious. But because they're proud of their grandkids. They're proud of who they are. And now it's just pull out the phone and say, here you go, here you go. Here. That's what it is now. And they're excited about their grandkids or what's there. And they, they glory in their grandchildren. In Proverbs chapter 20, it talks about young men glory in their strength. Yeah. They glory in their strength. I remember when I was young and really, really dumb. Um, so Dad said I shouldn't say that word. When I was, well, when I was foolish. Young and like, yeah, I can do anything. You remember that, Brother Jim? Being where you could lift anything and you're, yeah, where you thought you could. The beauty of the old men, it says in the same verse, is their gray hair. You don't get to being old with gray hair if you're too dumb whenever you're young and strong. But, uh, Proverbs, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says a, a woman's hair is her glory. And it represents, and I, I, once again, I don't have time to elaborate much on this other than it's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful whenever she recognizes, and it's, it's all about the authority. And whenever godly, whenever husbands are leading their homes in what's right, wives will be proud of their husbands. But we're going to move on from there because that's what we're talking about primarily. First and Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, in Second Corinthians, Paul says that he gloried in his infirmities. That's pretty something amazing to glory about. 
He bragged about his infirmities. That's pretty amazing to glory in. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, he says, if any man glory, let him glory in the Lord. He says that in both books, the 1 and 2 Corinthians. Uh, my point is, when we're here, we say that they changed their. Notice that little, that little pronoun there, it's the word their. Um, they changed their glory into the similitude of an oxen that eateth grass. And someone may say, well, wait a second. They were taking glory away from God. You cannot take glory away from God. What do you mean by that? He is all-powerful. You can't take anything away from God. But they were taking their recognition of who was in charge and who they were glorifying in their life and who was first and who was paramount in their life. They were taking it away from Jehovah and putting it in an ox. Of all the barnyard animals, why an ox? But they were saying, the God that saved us... No, in the... They were saying it at Mount Horeb. This is where God was thundering in the cloud and giving the Ten Commandments. And they were saying, wow, the ox is what we want to worship. Something's wrong here. What we glory, if we are going to find out what we glory, we need to look no further than what pulls our attentions and our affections. What pulls our our attention and affections? What is it that we're drawn to think about and to study on and to to work on? The The things that we become proud of and talk of primarily, if it's not God, we are putting it in the place of God. He needs to be our glory. Like, well, why does he need to be our glory? Remember what he's done for you. Tonight, I just want to remind us for just a few minutes, some things that they forgot in this chapter. And because of their forgetting these things, they remove the glory from where it needed to be. So that it'll be a hope, hopefully, and an encouragement to us tonight that we can remember and keep these things where they need to be so that our glory will be in the right place. The first thing that they forgot is found in verse 10. Verse 10. And he saved them from the hand of them that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Verse 21, they forgot God their Savior. What did they forgot? What did they forget? They forgot God had saved them and redeemed them. They forgot what God had saved them from and what he had redeemed them from. Wow! Like, okay, yeah, they forgot it. How often do we forget it? Now, we don't forget it in the fact of it's no longer in our mind, but it doesn't become the first thing that we talk about or share with other people. We forget to tell other people what God has done in our life. We forget to tell them about our salvation. We forget to tell them about God's working in our life and what He has done in our life. We spend time with our neighbors and we invite them over for a meal and we talk about the weather and we talk about their new mower and the way that they're taking care of their yard. And I'm so thankful they took that tree down that was landed on my shed but we forget to share the gospel with them and give the testimony of what God has done in our life. That should be the most important thing in our life. Do your coworkers know that you're saved? 
well, they've kind of watched my life and they've seen it as a testimony of my life. Yes, your life and your conversation serves as a testimony, but if that's the only testimony that they've heard, you're not really remembering your salvation. You should be telling them. We should be telling people what God has done. They forgot how God had saved them. How sad. Help us to never forget that we're saved. Never forget that we're saved. They, They forgot not only that they were saved, Look at verse 13. They soon forgot his works and waited not for his counsel. His counsel would be his word, his guidance. They forgot his words or his works. 22. Wondrous works are in the hand of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away the wrath lest he should destroy him. They forgot God's works. I was riding my bike to church. And there's about, it's 5.8 miles from my house to the church. There's a bike trail. Um, there's about 100 miles of concrete bike trail in northern Minnesota. It's absolutely beautiful. You just have to wait and watch out for the bears. But um, you're driving down through this bike trail. My legs are tired. I'm tired of pedaling. I think about all the stuff I need to get done that day at church and done at home and how I need to get cleaned up and showered and be ready for things. And as I'm pedaling my bike down through there, God, why don't I have extra money to put tires on the truck? This wouldn't happen if, uh, well, if I wouldn't have had a job somewhere else. And so easily, one heartache can make us forget how God Daily meets our needs and provides for us. Are you you with me on this? We say that we serve a mighty God who does great works and does great actions and that he provides and that he meets our needs and that he loves and that he cares for us. And then a heartache, a trial, a difficulty comes up. And it's not even really that big of a difficulty. And we say, oh, woe is me. Does God really love me? Do we really believe his promises? This is amazing. They forgot his works. They forgot what God had done in their life in the past. And in forgetting his works and what he had done, it led them and caused them to lust. Verse 14, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Do you remember what they lusted for in the wilderness? They're in the middle of the desert and they're lusting. Oh, that we could be back in Egypt. Can I remind you that Egypt was a desolate wasteland after the ten plagues had hit? No one wanted to live in Egypt. Oh, that we could have the leeks and the garlic and the flesh pots. (laughs) They were complaining and they were lusting after, well, specific foods. They were wanting royal dainties, fancy meals. I can just... Well, there was a period of time when some of our shelves were lean, put it that way. We started praying, trusting God. I shared a little bit with Brother Jim, I'm not going to go into it much more than that. By the end of the week, no money had come in. I had smoked pork sandwiches 
We had potatoes and carrots and garden fresh green beans. Hallelujah. My God is able to take a completely or an empty-ish pantry. No, we've never been without anything. And he is able to provide everything that we need. He is good. He is good. Uh, um, I don't want for one minute for you to think that I'm up here complaining. I want us to rejoice in the fact that God is good. Let me think, well, I didn't get steak and potatoes. I didn't get a smoked pork roast or anything like that. He promises to provide our needs. And so often he goes beyond and he provides our wants. I'm so thankful for that. They, they, they forgot him and they started to lust. They lusted, first of all, they lusted for Egypt. They lusted for food. They lusted for specific food. Verse 16, notice what they did. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron and the saints. They lusted for control. They wanted power. They wanted to say, I don't like the way that that preacher's doing that up there at the house. I've not actually talked to the Marshall or Andrew about anything going on at church, and I don't really need to plan on, I'm not planning on stepping on anyone's toes, but I'm going to make the statement of to lust for power and to step up and say, I don't like the way he's doing that. I don't like the way he wears his tie. That will be a good example. I don't, he ties that tie with a Windsor. No, he, he's using a double Windsor. Good preachers should use a single Windsor. Don't know what's going on with that. And we want to be the boss. And we lust for control. When we forget his salvation, we want to be in control. When we forget what he's done, we desire that we need to be in control. Verse 24, look what happens. They despise the pleasant land and they believe not his words. Wow. The pleasant land was the place of blessing. It was the place of promise. They despised God's promise. Do you catch that? Instead of resting and rejoicing in the promises of God, they despised it. They did not want God's promise. It wasn't enough for them. Wow. They got to a place to where his promises weren't good enough. Okay, well, preacher, I'd never be in a place where his promises aren't good enough for me. Does God love you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. And in the middle of heartaches and difficulties and trials, whenever our God promises to provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, so often we will say, God, I know that you love me, but you're not providing the way I think you should. Or God, if you love me, you wouldn't let me go through this heartache or this disease or this difficulty or this trial. And we step back and we say, God... I don't even know if you really love me. And we can start to doubt God's... Pro- now, we would never say that because we're spiritual. Okay, we with me on this? We're never going to flat out say that. But our actions and our attitude can be, God, do you really love me? Do you really love me? If, if God's promises are true, God's promises are always true. If God's promises fail to be true once, his promises are no longer true. His promises are trustworthy. Praise the Lord. They're sure. We can hold on to them. 
the, la- the, the next thing we see is, uh, sorry, the, look at verse 25. Whenever they started to despise the pleasant land, they believed not his words, they stopped believing God's promises. Look what they did. But murmured in their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. I'm going to change that into the way that Chuck Nicholson reads that. They murmured to their wives. <laughs> yeah, they went to their tents. They went back to their tents and they said, I cannot believe what's going on with Moses and the prophets and the leaders. Oh, I don't have a clue what they're doing. They're trying to make us do things and trying to get us to follow God and go to the promised land. And we just want to go back and have leeks and garlics. And Now, once again, murmuring in their tent is they're murmuring in their household. And, and I want to point something out because what we're going to talk about in a minute while you may be just venting to your wife or to your spouse, your children are watching you and they're learning how to trust the blessings and promises of God. They are. Well, it's not that big of a deal if I whine or complain just a little bit. Okay. I wrote this down because I wanted to phrase this correctly. When we murmur and complain against God, we are guilty of accusing God of telling us lies. When I murmur, or when we murmur against God and what he is doing, we're accusing God of lying to us. Wow. Of saying, God, your blessings aren't good enough for me. God, you really don't love us. You don't have my best intent and heart and mind. Lord, I think I know better than you. I don't ever want to get that way. That's what happens when we start to forget. There's one more thing that they forgot. Verse 23. 23 and then verse 30. And I'm just going to mention this one. Therefore, um, uh, therefore he said that he would not destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach. And then verse 30. Verse 30, it mentions Phineas. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment so that the plague was stayed. Both of these men stood between God and the people at different times and stopped God's destruction from falling. This is good. This is good stuff. They had an intercessor who withheld the wrath of God on their behalf. And they forgot all about him. Okay, why are you so excited about it? I have an intercessor. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is my intercessor. Oh, I'm turning to it because I'll misquote it if I don't read it. But 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but for the sin of the whole world. Oh, my friend, this is good. You have an intercessor. You have an intercessor. Someone who died on the cross to take the punishment for sin that you deserved. Praise the Lord. If you're here tonight, we have a lot of new faces here that I don't even know. And I looked over and I just saw Caden back there and I thought, is that Caden? Yeah. The haircut threw me off. Yeah. And uh, praise the Lord. I thought, hey, there's a new face. No, that's Caden. Yeah. It's good stuff. But we have an intercessor. Jesus Christ the righteous. He's my Savior. And if you don't know him tonight, oh, there's... 50 to 100 people in here that love to introduce you to them. 
Just simply ask. My friend, we can never forget our Lord Jesus Christ, the intercessor. Their forgetting the word of God caused them to do the second point. They disobeyed. They disobeyed. When I was in school, my dad would tell me to do things, or still today, my dad tells me to do stuff, but uh, whenever my dad would tell me to do something, he'd tell me to mow the yard, or he'd tell me to take out the trash. There was one excuse I tried one time, and it was this. I forgot. Did you know that the word I forgot doesn't really fly as an excuse? It just doesn't. Uh, We have a statement at our house, and uh, my kids, I'm going to have them say it really loud. Okay, you ready? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Yes, that's what it is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Incomplete obedience is disobedience. Notice what they did. Verse number 34. Thus, uh, we'll go back to verse 33. Because they provoked his spirit and he spake and advisedly with his lips, they did not destroy the nations concerning who the Lord commanded them. They did not obey. They disobeyed the word of God. Well, why would they disobey it? Because they'd already forgotten it. They didn't care. That's why. They disobeyed the word of God. And in their disobedience, they said, oh, it's not that big of a deal that the Canaanites stay in the land. It's not that big of a deal. Notice, very briefly, I want to go through this. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but it says, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. As a child of God, there are some things that should not be allowed to exist in our lives and in our homes. They have to be destroyed. We cannot flirt with sin. We cannot hang out with sin, even if it's just a little bit. And you may think, well, I know that person has sin. We're not talking about that person. We're talking about you right now. You can't flirt. You can't tempt. You can't get close. Don't play with it. The best way to not get bitten by a snake is to kill the snake, not to wrap it around your finger. So to put, it to, to put it to death. Verse number 34, they did not destroy the nations. And look what happened. But were mingled among the heathen and learned their way. Wow. They went right along the heathen and they learned the way that the heathen lived their life. You will be those people. I'll talk to the teenagers because it's true for them. You will become your friends. You are. You choose your friends, you choose your future. And everyone says, yes, the teenagers need to know this. You choose your friends, you choose your future. Yes, teenagers need... It works with adults too. What you allow to influence you, whether you allowed your thought process to be shaped and influenced by, by Facebook or Twitter or oh, Instagram. Oh, Lord, help us with Instagram. But yeah, if, if you're allowing your yourself um, to be shaped and manipulated by well, the TV or... Anything other than the word of God? You're going to be in a sad place. Notice, they learned their ways. And they served their gods, which were a snare unto them. They learned their works, sorry, and served their gods, served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Verse 37 they sacrificed their sons and daughters unto devils. The cost of their disobedience wasn't just them mingling and making friends with the Canaanites. The cost was their children. 
you may think it's not that big of a deal if I watch a couple movies that aren't appropriate. It's not that big of a deal what radio station I have on in my vehicle and I listen to in the car. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, I'm an adult. It's not that big of a deal. You're teaching your children the way that they need to go. They are watching you. They are learning from you. You're teaching them. I don't believe the children of Israel ever desired at first to say, let's go down and teach our kids how to sacrifice to Moloch. That's not where it started. It started with them beginning to learn their ways and to learn their works, and they ended up losing their children. This one's free, but I should come over here to this pulpit when I say this. That way Brother Marshall gets mad at me I wasn't behind his pulpit. (laughs) It's probably not a good idea to allow Blue's Clues or any cartoons to supervise and to train your children, just throwing it out there. Like I said, this one's completely, totally free. If you shouldn't be watching movies that are questionable, you probably shouldn't be putting your kids in those questionable situations where they're going to learn the philosophies. Um, Okay, we're back over here. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Brother Marshall. Um, They served idols. They sacrificed their sons and daughters. What a high price to pay for the rebellion and disobedience. Finally, look at the last thing here that it mentions. They shed blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto idols. The land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled. Verse 39. Thus they were defiled by the Canaanites that were there. Is that what the verse says? Verse 39. Thus they were defiled with their own works. Wow. How did they get to this spot? First, they forgot some things that they shouldn't have forgotten. Second, they chose to disobey. Turn over with me to Romans chapter 1, and we're we're done here. Romans 1. Well, preacher, that was the children of Israel. That That was way back then. That was the children of Israel. Um, we're in the New Testament time now. That's we got to look and see. Oh, okay, let me show you what happens in the New Testament. Verse 21 of Romans 1, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Notice verse 23. And changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like into corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Tonight I don't think that we in this room are in danger of changing the glory of God and turning it into an ox. But we can turn it into a job and make our glory be found in what we do in our job and our occupation, you should take pride in your work, but not more pride than what God's been doing in your life. We can glory in our kids instead of glorying in God first. We can glory in our position or our responsibility. We can glory in the way that we've arrived or our accomplishments. Paul says in Corinthians, let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. 
So let's remember our salvation enough to tell other people about him. Let's rejoice and thank God for what he has done. Remember his works. Let's spend time looking at his word and remembering the counsel of his word so that it will guide and direct our hearts and our lives and our thoughts. Let's thank God for his intercessor, Jesus Christ. He used two people, Moses and Phineas. Those are men that interceded for him. You should thank God for your pastor who intercedes for you. I know your pastor. He loves you. He prays for you. He prays for the church. He prays for the people of the church. He has a heart and burden for the people that are here. He intercedes. He prays for you. Then let's choose not only to have all this stuff happen and not only know the word of God, not only thank God for what he's done, it doesn't do any good for us to read the word of God if we don't obey it. Let's choose to obey it. So tonight I close and I simply ask this question. Someone's going to ask you, what are you proud of? What do you glory in? Is it the Lord? If it's anything else other than the Lord, well, then your focus is in the wrong place if you're a child of God. If you're here and you don't know, Lord Jesus Christ, you're my glory in, oh, you can come, this, come today and somebody will show you how you can know for sure heaven's your home. Let's pray and we'll thank God for what he's done. Lord, I am so very thankful for you, for what you've done. I'm thankful for your word. Thankful for what you've given us. Dear God, we can glory in so many things. Lord, dear God, we can even glory, and I think of being in the church environment, Lord, we can even glory in things we do for you. And it can be all about our work and our service instead of being about you. Lord, help our glory to be found in you. Remember what you've done for us. Lord, I love you. I need you tonight. Lord, help us to have our glory in the right place. It's in Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. Uh, will you please stand with your head